the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. Hello again and welcome as we lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley Rutherford. I'm Kyle Welch. If you've been searching for a place to be spiritually fed, you have found it. Like you, we believe the Holy Bible contains the spiritual nourishment we need to become faithful servants God requires to help grow His kingdom here on earth. This program is part of an outreach ministry from Shepherd Church, located in Los Angeles, California. Our teaching pastor is Dudley Rutherford, and we join him right now with today's message. There's only one thing that I know of that could really bring joy and really bring peace, and that's when you follow this book and follow the Lord Jesus Christ. That's the only thing that can make you happy. Today, I want you to get your Bible, grab your sermon notes. We want to look at this fifth beatitude, which reads, Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown what? Mercy. Now, again, we're talking about things that are going to truly bless you and bring you happiness that you can experience each and every day. I want to begin by what I have. I've got three major points. The first one is what we call mercy paraphrased. It's it's difficult to explain mercy for several reasons, one of which is that there are so many other qualities that are like mercy, that are close to mercy, that have a hint of mercy, that are intertwined with mercy, but they're not mercy. So let's start by explaining what mercy isn't, because we don't want to confuse you. We want to just make this simple for everybody. Write this down. Mercy is not when you show kindness to a friend, some thoughtful act done in the course of everyday life. You know, whether you're buying ice cream for one of your kids or you help someone clean out a, a garage or you send a bouquet of flowers to a friend or you take out the neighbor's trash or you pour a cup of coffee for a coworker. That's kindness, but it's not mercy. Uh, Secondly, write this down. Mercy isn't showing compassion for the suffering. Many people connect mercy with compassion. Compassion is usually a response we feel towards those who are hurting. Like you might feel uh, compassion for those who are caught up in war zones or disaster areas. Or you see someone who's in need. Or you understand the need that the elderly have or the disenfranchised and those feelings are all good but those feelings are not mercy compassion is to recognize suffering that someone else is experiencing you feel for that person that's compassion but mercy acts to alleviate the suffering mercy is the fruit of compassion Whenever compassion acts to alleviate suffering, it becomes mercy. So mercy isn't just 
showing kindness. Mercy isn't just having compassion. What is mercy? Well, there's several ways to define it. Number one, mercy is when someone in a stronger position extends help to someone in a weaker position. It's when you extend or give. It can be compassion or love or support or forbearance to someone that perhaps has offended you, to someone who is subject to your power. That is showing mercy. Think of that Roman emperor as the gladiators are fighting, and right before the fatal blow, they look up at the emperor, and the emperor can either do this, which is to take his life, or he can do thumbs up, which means let him live for another day. That would be mercy. The 30th president of the United States was a man named Calvin Coolidge. Uh, There's a story about the early days of his presidency. He awoke one morning and found a burglar in his room. And Coolidge spoke up and asked the thief not to take his pocket watch because it contained an engraving that was important to him. And the thief agreed not to to take the pocket watch. And so then Coolidge engaged the burglar in a quiet conversation and discovered that he was a college student that couldn't even afford his college tuition and, and uh, couldn't afford a, a ticket to get back home. And he was just broke. And so Coolidge, after talking to this thief, ended up giving him $32, even though the thief was there to take it. He ended up giving him the $32, and he said to the thief, I, I, I want you to pay this back. I'm going to give it to you, but I want you to pay it back to me. He said, okay. And then Coolidge said this, and by the way, this is kind of funny. He goes, go out the same way you came in so the Secret Service can't find you. <laughs> However you got in here. And the story goes that the young man eventually paid the loan back, and nobody got in trouble. That would be mercy, Amen. Uh, Now, mercy, write this down, is foregoing an opportunity to take vengeance, to punish, or to humiliate someone who actually deserves such penalty. David Tim said, we show mercy when we relent from anger and actually completely forgive someone rather than to extract a pound for pound of flesh from them. Most of us would gloat for an opportunity to get even or to take revenge, to humiliate someone who has mistreated us or who rubs us the wrong way. I heard this true story about a Romanian pastor named Richard Warmbrand who worked in the underground churches in Romania during the communist rule in the middle of the 20th century. He literally spent 14 years of his life in Romanian jails and labor camps because of his Christian faith. And Richard Warmbrand tells the story of a time where he personally shared a cell with another man by the name of John Stanescu, and both men were being held in a slave labor camp because of their faith in Jesus Christ. And in this labor camp, you were forbidden to even mention the name of Jesus. And one day, one of the other prisoners got caught talking about Jesus. And the warden that was in charge of this labor camp, he went by the title of Colonel Alban. Colonel Alban was a mean, angry man who regularly beat the prisoners He rushed in and wanted to know who it was that was talking about Jesus. And no one spoke up. 
And so his anger boiled over. He threatened to flog everyone if someone did not come forward. No one stepped forward. And so Colonel Albin said, I'm going to start on one end of the jail, and I'm going to go down the entire jail cell. I'm going to systematically beat every man. And that's exactly what he did. And eventually he came and stood before John Stanescu, and um, Stanescu looked him right in, the, in his eyes and said to the prison warden, he said, there is a God in heaven who will judge you one day. His defiance surely meant that he would be beaten to death that moment. And right when all this was going down, there was a commotion. And they looked over, and it was another one of the security guards coming over who spoke to the colonel and said, Sir, the communist generals have just stopped by, and they are requesting your immediate attention. And so he turned, he looked at John Stanescu, and he said, we will see each other soon. And he turns and he goes back to the, to the offices. And to everyone's surprise, the communist leaders were there to actually arrest the colonel, Colonel Albin, for other crimes that he had committed. So he must have been a really bad guy. And for punishment, they decided to throw him in the same jail block with the prisoners that he had been in charge of, that he had flogged so often. And as soon as they threw him in that prison, many of the inmates moved in to literally beat and lynch the former labor camp director. It was a death sentence for sure until one John Stanescu stepped in, covered him, shielded him, took most of the beatings himself, and literally saved the life of Colonel Albin that day. And when I hear that story, I have to ask, could we show such mercy could we step in to protect our enemies when we finally had the power to crush them so that's one element of what it means to be merciful but let me give you the primary meaning i want you to write this down the third and primary meaning of mercy is is when we mimic god and give grace to those who do not deserve grace To be merciful is to be like God. It was in Exodus chapter 34 when Moses went up on the mountain to receive the Ten Commandments. Now you know that the people of God, uh, after they received the commandments, they immediately began breaking them. And Moses had to go back up that mountain a second time. The Bible says that no one can stand in the presence of God. And yet Moses went up on that mountain and he was in the presence of God and he was receiving those commandments. And the Bible proclaims these words, speaking about God. The Lord, the Lord, the merciful and gracious God, who is slow to anger, abounding in steadfast love and faithfulness. Oh, our God is a merciful God. Our God is a gracious God. Don't ever forget that God has graced you 10,000 times. God has been gracious to you a million times. God has shown His faithfulness to you uh, that is proven by your very existence here today. You wouldn't be here without His faithfulness. God has not just been kind to you. God has not just shown compassion to you. God has been merciful to you day in and day out. 
None of us deserve His grace, and yet He pours it out upon us each and every day. I want to next give you what I call the the picture of mercy. I want to show you actually a picture of mercy, if you will. I want you to take your Bibles and turn quickly to Luke chapter 10. Turn over to, you're in Matthew, go go over to Luke chapter 10. One of the most, really one of the most important stories in, in the whole Bible. Jesus, everybody say Jesus. Jesus in this story is actually literally talking to a lawyer. Imagine that. I think all lawyers should talk to Jesus, don't you? How many, how many think all lawyers should just have a little talk with Jesus? And the lawyer, you know, he asked Jesus a question in, in Luke chapter 10. He says, Jesus, what must I do to inherit eternal life? In other words, what do I as a lawyer, how can I, what do I need to do to go to heaven? And I would say, I don't care what your profession is, every single man, woman in this room should be asking Jesus, what do I need to do to go to heaven? And if you're going to ask someone, what do I need to do to go to heaven? Jesus is the person to ask. Well, Jesus answers the question with the question. You know, he wants you to think on your own two feet. The lawyer says, Jesus, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus asked the lawyer, well, how do you read the scriptures? In other words, what does the Bible say? And I just want to put this in there, that anytime anybody asks you a question about anything in this world, you ought to answer just this way Jesus did. Don't don't just tell them everything you think. You should just say, what does the Bible say about this? Because the Bible has the answer to all of life's greatest issues. So the lawyer comes to Jesus. He says, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, well, Mr. Lawyer, big shot lawyer, they pay you a lot. What, how, how do you read the Scriptures? What's the Bible say? And the lawyer says, well, here's how I read it. According to how I read it, I've got to do two things. One is to love the Lord God with all of my heart, my soul, my strength, and my mind. Mm-hmm. And then he said, secondly, I, as I read the Scriptures... That in order for me to go to heaven, i got to love my neighbor as myself. Jesus said, correct. You answered correctly. Now, you'd think that'd be the end of the story, but lawyers being lawyers, lawyers always ask questions so they can find a loophole. (laughs) Isn't that what lawyers do? Looking for that loophole? So the lawyer comes in, what do I have to do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, well, how do you read the Scriptures? He says, well, the way I read the Scriptures is to love the Lord your God with my heart, my soul, my strength, my mind. And secondly, to let, love my neighbor as myself. And Jesus said, correct. And the lawyer said, I got one more question. He said, who, who technically, if I got to love my neighbor, who technically is my neighbor? Is it the good neighbor that takes my trash out for me on vacation, or is it my bad neighbor whose dog stays up and barks all night long and I can never sleep? Is it the person that lives literally next door, or do I have to love everybody on the block? Who technically is my neighbor? Jesus tells a story to answer that question. It's about a man, a Jewish man who's going from Jerusalem over to Jericho. 
It's kind of like if someone was going to walk here and go to Simi Valley, you'd go up and over the Santa Susana Pass. The difference is that road would have been a lot narrower and far more dangerous and taken a lot longer. It was real windy and curvy. It went up and down through a canyon. There's a road there today you can take, and you'll see it's just this windy road. And it was a perfect place to be robbed, mugged, or killed. And sure enough, the man, as he was on his way to Jericho, he was uh, a robber, a thief, came and beat the man half to death, took all his clothes, took all of his belongings, and left him there on the side of the road to die. He's literally laying on the Santa Susana Pass. And he's half dead, he's naked, he's going to die. And Jesus says, uh, there was a priest, which is a religious man, a Jewish religious man, was walking by, a priest looked over and saw the man and just kept walking. And then Jesus said, uh, there was a Levite, that's also a religious man, uh, Levi walked by, he saw the man laying there, and he just walked on by. And then Jesus said there was this third fellow, he was a Samaritan. Now, if you know the context, uh, Jews and Samaritans didn't get along. That's going to surprise some of you. They had racial issues back in those days. That's a big part of this story. But here's what Jesus said in Luke 10, verse 33, that a Samaritan, as he traveled, he came where the man was. The priest and Levite had walked on by, but when he saw him, the, when the Samaritan saw him, he, he took pity on him. And he went to him, and he bandaged his wounds. He didn't have someone else do it. He did it. He poured on oil, which was expensive back in those days, and wine. And then he put the man on his own donkey. And took him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day, he took out two silver coins and he gave them to the innkeeper. And he said to the innkeeper, Hey, I'm on a business trip and I won't be back for a few days, but here's two silver coins. I want you, as the innkeeper, to look after him, he said. And when I return, I'm coming back the same way. I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. And then Jesus turns to the lawyer and he asks this question, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? And the expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And then Jesus told him, go and what? Do likewise. Those are Jesus' words to everyone here in this room today. Go and do likewise. I want you to write this down. There's always three classes of people. One are the beater-uppers. These are the people who are going to rob you, steal from you, kill you, destroy you. These are the robbers, the thieves, the pornographers, the evildoers, the abusers, the drug traffickers, the drug dealers, the pimps. These are the beater-uppers. But there's a second class of people. Those are the passer-uppers. Those are folks who see what's going on and just walk on by like the priest and the Levite. They can be religious folk. They can be people whose names are on the church rolls. They're people who see the problem that do nothing to fix the problem. We see it, but we don't really want to get involved, so we just walk on by. But then there's that third group of people, the lifter-uppers. 
Folks who stop and serve and forgive, who sacrifice to help others, even towards people who have mistreated you in the past. We give mercy. The story of the Good Samaritan is a story of a great picture of what it means to be merciful. Read that text over and over again and go and do likewise. And then we come to the third point, which is mercy perfected. Everybody say the word perfected. Now go back and look at that verse in Matthew 5, verse 7. It says, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown what? Mercy. I just want to say this. That is step two. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. That's step two. You can't do step two until, first of all, you understand step one. It's a blessing for us to bring this program to you every day. We exist only by our faithful partners who support us through their prayers and financial gifts. If Pastor Dudley's message has been a blessing to you, we would like to encourage you to consider joining in partnership with us so we can continue to be here every day to bless others with this important ministry. Your gifts, whether large or small, are greatly appreciated and go directly to help keep us on the air. You can find out more about supporting us by calling our toll-free number, 888-818-4777. That number again is 888-818-4777. We have operators standing by and ready to take your call. You can also support us by going to our website, liftupjesus.com forward slash reach. That address again is liftupjesus.com forward slash and then the word reach. We live in the most distracted culture in the history of the world. We see about 10,000 messages every day. We even touch our phones about 2,000 times a day. We're literally being overwhelmed with information. That's why there's no better time than right now for Dudley Rutherford's remarkable new book, One Thing, Rediscover a Simpler Faith in Our Complicated World. In this timely book, Pastor Dudley invites you to open your Bible and look closely at seven key passages of Scripture where you'll find the beautifully uncomplicated phrase, one thing. These Scriptures will quiet all the noise that you're hearing and call you back to a simpler faith. Dudley Rutherford has discovered the secret of how to focus our lives on the one thing that matters. What if you could find that simplicity? It's waiting out there, and this is your roadmap to freedom. Contact Lift Up Jesus today and get your copy of One Thing, the book that could finally change everything. I'm Irvin Hurd, and this is my wife, Chip Hurd, and uh, we've been members here at Shepherd for going on 13 years now. Giving is an uncomfortable conversation for most people, and I guess I didn't have a problem with that because when you grow up poor, (laughs) you don't have anything anyway. So everything God gave me, it just seemed right to give back. So when I learned about Malachi and the fact that we were supposed to give back a tenth from the the top, not after we do everything else and then whatever's left, and that just seemed to make sense. It was fair. It was loving to a loving God. We work in a seasonal business and uh, between productions and hiatus, productions, (laughs) yeah, productions shutting down, uh, I didn't have a job. But somehow all the bills got paid and God always provided. And he also gave me a peace during that period because I knew he would provide. We're always having to monitor and learn about stewardship and find ways to 
make sure that we are doing what God called us to do. And there are periods where it just doesn't look like it's going to work out. There are periods where it looks like things are just upside down, topsy-turvy. How is this going to work itself out? But somehow, God finds a way to get us through it. And he also gives us the ability to have peace in the process. I have times where I'm looking at the checkbook and looking at what we have committed ourselves to, not what God has committed us to, but what we've committed ourselves to, and having to realign priorities. I think it eventually works itself out. He starts giving you um, uh, wisdom about which thing to do so that you may have a rough this month and a rough next month, maybe an even rougher next month, but somewhere in there, if the heart is to do the thing he asked you to do, he will work it out for you. And that's the part we don't want to see what's going to happen. We don't tithe with the thought that we are tithing to get from God. We're tithing because we have gotten from God. God has already given to us, and all he asks us is to give back that 10%. And so he gave first, and we give second. I'm Kyle Welch. We invite you to join us every weekday at this time when we again lift up Jesus with Pastor Dudley. Star General Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.